This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Duran. Today, we're going to share the audio from our member panel at our most recent executive summit focused on enterprise strategy. Now, the conversation kind of gravitated to a lot of digital strategy topics, and I pulled out those pieces, and that's what we're going to focus on today. We had three outstanding panelists. First was Dr. David Carlson. He's a senior vice president, provider enterprise, and chief provider officer for MultiCare in Tacoma, Washington. We also had Ed Rafalski, who's the Chief Strategy Officer and Chief Marketing Officer for Baycare Health System in Tampa, Florida. And finally, we had Mickey Clancy, who's the Chief Digital Officer for Premier Health in Ohio. First, we're going to hear from Mickey, kind of frame up how digital strategy fits in to everything that they're doing at Premier Health. Hope you enjoy. The chief digital officer in our organization is actually the senior most person that's blending operations and technology together. I was the CIO here for 12 years, and I was the chief operating officer of our largest hospital, Miami Valley Hospital, for almost a decade. And so we're leveraging that to use technology in a different way. The traditional IT technologies are still all required, and all of that reports in my reporting chain. But we're actually using Agile to change the way we do business. And our digital strategy is intended to bring $100 million of value back to the organization within a three-year period. We started at the end of January, and we're on track for about $29 million by the end of this month of that $100 million, and doing all sorts of things that are driving growth for the organization. So I partner very closely with our chief strategy officer and the heads of our organizations to accomplish that. What I'm working on is part of our strategic plan of reimagining consumer engagement and experience. So everybody has an accountability to help bring out the strategic plan accomplishments. I've added a total of six people that will be helping with this, only two of which are hired right now. All of my teams are actually agile teams that are made up of current workforce that have some of the digital technological portions of our teammates and a a couple of consulting groups that are helping us with this. And so those agile teams are the ones doing the work. What we found over time to do this work effectively, it cannot be a technological answer. It has to be a blend of operations and technologists. Our product managers, depending on what the product is, might be a digital health person, an operations leader, like our teleregistration Agile pod is the head of our access arm. We decide who the product leader is best on who's going to own the product going forward. And these teams require not just the operational change management, but the technological integration and change management. They require sometimes anywhere around 15 people on each team. One of my teams has 27 people on it. It's all working together towards that common goal of whatever the mission is of that agile team. We're finding incredible results very quickly, just getting things done that would have taken six, eight, 10 months to do in the past in a matter of weeks. 
We are also looking at our net promoter scores, both from a patient perspective and a consumer perspective, to make sure that we also are taking the potentially non-financial value measures to bring that back into the equation. We also are looking at efficiency growth, and then we're doing a lot with Insight-led organization with predictive analytics to help us with our staffing and getting ahead of the staffing curve so we can hug that change curve. We're also doing that with a number of throughput items and operations like our surgery schedule to get more capacity through different parts of our organization. Surgery is one example. Since the end of January, we've stood up 15 teams to produce that value. And we hope by the end of next year, we'll have 40 of those teams up and running. We're actually spending um, the front end part of the process doing some very extensive valuations. If we have to actually make an investment, it has to have a minimum of a three to one value to come back to the organization. And value for us is measured in cost reduction, revenue generation, and we call it near-term value of the patient. It's two years of a patient value. Then we're also measuring their stickiness with us for if they stay in our market with us. So that is actually accountable to the board as we generate those initiatives. What we're really trying to do is leverage the technologies that we've put in place because we don't have a very large capital budget or operating budget to do this. Coming out of COVID, we had the same financial challenges everyone else did. So the reinvestment's really done through bottom-up innovation so that we can leverage our contracts in a return-to-value way rather than them just being an expense and adding to the overhead of the organization. We are actually using AI a number of different ways. We don't have research and development dollars to be the type of organization that can develop their own AI for clinical use. But where people have adopted some of the AI, we're trying to leverage that. So we're leveraging it for a lung nodule clinic to bring in additional screening and care management changes for our lung cancer patients where an incidental nodule in particular is noted so that we can improve the care of those patients. We're also using quite a bit of artificial intelligence in our revenue cycle to improve things like pre-authorization for care, to be able to remove a lot of the manual labor related on notice of admission and those kinds of things. We probably have a list of use cases 30 long that we're evaluating right now. I expect by the end of next year that we'll have about 30 teams up and running in that area. We're also doing a number of pieces of AI for nursing audits to try to relieve the overhead of the nurse so that they can be back at the bedside and not doing some of the more traditional paperwork audit kinds of things that they need to do. It does take away probably close to 80 to 90 percent of the work, and then the human takes care of the remainder of the exceptions. We've also done some work in pharmacy and in our supply chain. So those are the areas that we've primarily focused on for this year. We've got more coming. We heard a lot from Mickey there about how digital fits into everything they're doing at Premier Health. Now I want to hear a little more from Ed Rafalski from Baycare about how they're connecting consumer preference, the work they've been doing on consumerism with how they're thinking about digital transformation. 
we were already on the trend of having consumers interact with us more digitally, telehealth being probably the first and foremost example of that. In our own practice, the employed group, they were seeing probably between 5 and 10% of their annual encounters on the telehealth platform. Then the pandemic happens and we shut down for a few weeks and so everything moved to digital and they were seeing 80 to 90% of their encounters on telehealth. That's now since sort of fallen back to a norm of 5 to 10%. The consumer's gotten more comfortable, but organizationally, our physician culture is such that they still want to make a comment to the office. We've got this sort of dichotomy where if you're designing for consumer, you say, meet them where they are. If you're designing for doctor, make them come where you are. And that's what we're trying to resolve. What we're trying to do from my corner is get the organization to embrace digital and other channels and meet the consumer where they are and where they want to see you, not where we want to see them. That's a paradigm shift, I think, for the industry because we're historically designed around the doctor, but the consumer should be at the center of what we do. That lens from Ed was really helpful, particularly with his role over strategy and marketing. Now we're going to hear from Dr. David Carlson, who kind of talks about the other side, which is the provider lens and provider preference as it relates to virtual health and what they're doing at Multicare. We had prior to the pandemic, a number of strategies to move to more virtual activities as well. And we have spent a great deal of time, effort, and energy putting together consumer-facing products like urgent cares that are designed for a 30-minute turnaround. We are actively looking at how we can reinvent primary care to accomplish a couple things. One, so it really is centered around the consumer. Two, so it's something that in and of itself doesn't require the traditional tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of subsidies, and that it segments populations so they care for it. So that requires a digital backbone. It requires a virtual backbone. It requires many, many ways that you intersect with the patient, recognizing that there are times and there will always be times when people and patients need to be in the doctor's office for certain care and procedures. We see it as a continuum and that we definitely need to have things that are centered around the consumer and not the doctor. We have not put a stake in the ground about how much virtual it should be. On the other hand, there's an underappreciation about how much virtual care used to happen. It's just that we didn't have a way to get paid for it. It was called the telephone. So shifting that so that the tools that we use are more likely to be reimbursed, that you have a way to communicate with the patient with video visits that is far better, but you also have to understand that some people, particularly the younger, actually like asynchronous visits with text and advice. So we're in that space too. So we're trying to meet consumers and patients in whatever space they want to be. The shift will take a bit of time for everybody, frankly, not just for providers, but for consumers as well. And finally, these last couple of questions, they pivoted slightly. They still talked about digital as a piece, but they really kind of transitioned to talking about Digital is just a way that they're doing some of the work in health equity. And so we'll hear from Mickey first, and then we're going to hear from Dr. Carlson, particularly around how much they have leveraged partnerships in their health equity work. Our telehealth visits have grown by 12% since the pandemic. Part of that's because of the region that we live in, and we're leveraging other organizations bringing in the 
higher level specialists, either from us or from other organizations that we partner with to care for our patients without moving them from one location to another. We're finding that that is quite helpful, especially as we do things like telesniff and remote consults for all sorts of specialty care so that we only transfer really when it's absolutely required. We try to help through telehealth, provide the service at our rural hospitals so that we don't have to move the patient. And that's become a real consumer attraction for us because we are definitely seeing much of the work that's happening here, the service that's required here from the consumer perspective, which right now is all over the map. Health equity for us actually is paramount in the mix of that omni-channel approach. We're trying to make sure we're hearing from those who live in the technological divide and those who don't and making sure that we're handling the care of all sorts of our consumers. And we're actually partnering regionally to do that, not just doing that locally. We work with our Ohio Hospital Association for a lot of data and we have an OHIP organization, Ohio Information Partners, that we work together for that data to help make sure that we're caring for all the patients equally and taking care of the disease states that are underserved in our community. So I'll start with MultiCare's mission is partnering for healing in a healthy future. So I want to emphasize the word partnering. That's something that we really try to take seriously and to use unusual partnerships to create value. We actually have what we call the Center for Health Equity and Healthy Living. So we invest a lot in exploring health equity and understanding how we can affect it in our community. That group does a lot of the partnering around reaching out to certain specific groups and areas, communities to create strategies of how we might vaccinate them, how we might get dental care to them, how we might work non-traditionally with them. We have also created a very, very unique and long-standing partnership with an organization called CMAR. They are the third largest federally qualified health center in the country. So we've created a seamless electronic medical record with them. And we have partnered with them to explore where their expansion and where their services are best with their model of delivery, which is so integrated, they often provide a better service than our traditional models to those patients at risk, which is critically important. The last example that I'll talk about is our main competitor in our community is Common Spirit Health. We have actually a number of partnerships with them, but the latest one is a mental health hospital, 120 some beds that is relatively new, that we partnered to fund together and operate to serve our community because that's one of the biggest areas where health equity is a struggle. That's been up and running now for close to two years and provides a valuable service to our community. And it would have been far more difficult to do that on our own and spend all of our capital on an effort that isn't traditionally reimbursed. Interestingly enough, it's not the first really unique partnership with them. We also have in our community something called the Carol Milgard Breast Center. That was something that actually was the brainchild of the clinicians in the community that said, hey, we should provide world-class care to the women in our community around breast health and, and breast cancer, et cetera, and other women's issues. They helped bring us together to create a center that is jointly governed and provides really, really great integrated care for the women in our community. And so we built on that. We share a trauma program that is also run in a similar fashion through a partnership. So the well-found mental health partnership is unique in and of itself, but there's a tradition in our community that we partner around difficult, important issues and sometimes set aside competition for the benefit of our community. 
Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us, and or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at SG2Healthcare. And if you want to talk more about innovative healthcare strategies, you can always email me at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Finally, SG2 is a Vizient company, and there are a bunch of Vizient podcasts that you might like. You can find them at Vizient backslash podcasts. Have a great day.